I heard a man say this past week, I was born in Nashville, I've lived all my life in this city. Growing up, we never locked our doors, but we sure do now. How many of us like avoiding driving on the interstates because of all the crazy drivers out there? They go too fast, they come right up on your bumper as if you're not already exceeding the speed limit and now you never know if one of them might shoot at you. Growing up during the Cold War between the United States and the Soviet Union, I lived in fear as a boy of a nuclear holocaust. It was a very real fear. To me, I could see the bomb falling in my dreams at night. Now with Putin and the situation in Ukraine, not to mention North Korea and Iran, the fear of a nuclear war is raising its ugly head again. Back when I was a boy, there used to be this fear called world overpopulation, that there would be too many people to be able to feed. But now we read that the population is actually declining in some parts of the world that were most threatened to be overpopulated. Today, instead of overpopulation, our fear is that of global warming, of environmental destruction, the fear of running out of water. Some people fear COVID. Some have moved on to fear the great next pandemic. And Clay has pointed out more than once how the great theologian Paul Tillich says in his book, The Courage to Be, that the three things people fear the most are number one, the fear of emptiness and a meaningless life. Number two, the fear of guilt and condemnation. And number three, the fear of death or non-existence, which you might say is the ultimate fear. So what are you afraid of? Everybody's afraid of something. Wow, what a lousy way to start a sermon on the beginning of Advent. <laughs> That's pretty negative, you know? Maybe I ought to back up and start all over again. Let's, let's try it again. Back in the year 1865, the famous preacher, Phillips Brooks, made a journey to that part of the world we call the Holy Land. And one of his most memorable events took place on Christmas Eve. He rode from Jerusalem to Bethlehem on horseback. And later in his diary, he wrote about it. He said, before dark, we rode out of town to that field where they say the shepherds saw the star. It is a fenced piece of ground with a cave in it in which strangely enough, they put the shepherds. Later that same night, Brooks attended the traditional Christmas Eve service that was held in the ancient basilica said to have been built in the fourth century on the very site where Jesus was born. A church is known as the Church of the Nativity. The five hour Christmas Eve service went from 10 o'clock at night until three o'clock Christmas day, and it made an un forgettable impression upon this young minister. 
Three years later, when he was preparing his Christmas services and his sermons in December of 1868, he thought again of that visit to the Holy Land and the inspiration that had been indelibly stamped upon his heart. And as a result, he wrote a poem, especially for the children of his congregation, which would become the words to one of our best loved Christmas carols. It begins, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. And then remembering, I'm sure, that Christmas night and the early hours of Christmas Day, three years earlier, he wrote, Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. I've always wondered about that particular line in the carol that he wrote. I would love to talk to Phillips Brooks and say, what exactly did you have in mind when you said that? And maybe someday I will ask him. We all know what fear is, that feeling of anxiety, uneasiness, terror, or apprehension caused by the presence or the nearness or even worry about the possibility of danger, pain, or evil in life. In other words, fear is when we feel something bad is going to happen. For many people, fear is one of life's central problems. It can paralyze people. It can poison the whole atmosphere. And from our earliest days as children, when we're afraid of the dark, to even now as adults, we all have our worries and fears in life. So we know what fear is, but what is hope? What is it all about? I should have just stayed with the answer we got in the children's sermon. But hope is the feeling, even the assurance, that what you want to happen will happen, good things rather than bad things, blessings and joys and good feelings rather than danger, pain, and evil. And hope is not something that we just feel when all of our fears have been banished. No, quite the opposite. Hope is something that is still there even when our worst fears have been fully realized. Hope is that transcendent dimension of life that keeps us going when we are scared or frightened, exhausted or destitute. Hope is that which allows us to keep on believing in a good God, that that God is still working out his purposes in spite of all the evil that is in the world. Years ago, a young woman in our church developed what's called the Guillain-Barre syndrome. It's a rare viral infection which in a short period of time left her totally paralyzed. 
The first time I went to visit her in the intensive care unit of the hospital, I was not prepared for what I was going to find. She lay there in the bed looking pretty normal, but the only thing that she could move were her eyelids. We spent weeks, even months, having a conversation by having her blink once for yes and twice for no when I would ask her questions. And I would also hold up a chart with all the letters of the alphabet and have her spell out her words one letter at a time. But communicate, she did. And she told me she had not given up hope, but she was going to overcome that illness and recover from the paralysis. And for 12 months, she lay there in that hospital bed, struggling and hoping. But then almost one year exactly to the date that she entered the hospital, she walked out on her own power and gradually recovered almost 100% use of her body. Throughout the whole ordeal, she said, I always felt that it was a spirit of hope. I, when I talked to her, I always felt it was her spirit of hope more than anything else that made that recovery possible. Although the worst had happened to her, she never gave up. This is what hope is all about. It is facing all of life, especially our sufferings and our difficulties with a spirit that says there is no burden too great, no problem, no crisis, no tragedy so bad that it cannot be overcome with God's help. Throughout the Bible, from the time of the Old Testament patriarchs and prophets to the time of Jesus' birth and ministry, even down to our times today, we are promised repeatedly that with God, there is always hope. All things are possible. And I always say, if you want to know what hell is all about, you might describe it as saying it's a place for people who have lost their hope. The world into which Jesus was born was a world filled with hopes and fears. It was a world of poverty and heavy taxation and tyrannical rulers like Herod. And the fear of Herod would soon be justified once again when he unleashed his fury against even the newborn babies of Bethlehem and Judea. For the ancient people of Israel, their whole history had been one of hopes and fears and hopes and fears again and again. The suffering in Egypt, then freedom from slavery, then wandering in the wilderness, then the joy of the promised land, then the battles to possess the promised land, and then oppression and death, and eventually what we call the exile, when they were conquered and scattered throughout the Assyrian Empire. But even in Israel's darkest hours, the prophets of hope would not let fear and despair prevail. The prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, and others like them kept hope alive in their message about a coming Messiah 
and a messianic age. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. They repeated over and over again. So now for us, I guess the important question is, where and how do we get this thing called hope that gets us through the hard times of life? Again, we are told in the wisdom of scripture that perfect love casts out fear. And where does that perfect love come from? God. God is love. That's the main characteristic of God. And God is the source of love in our lives. That's what the celebration of Christmas is all about. The perfect love of God coming into this world through Jesus Christ, the baby of Bethlehem. And as Phillips Brooks said so well in his famous carol, in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. Or as the fourth gospel of John begins, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. When we believe in God, truly believe so that we honestly trust in God, our fears are replaced with hope. Jesus brought hope into a darkened world and he still does today. However, when Jesus left this world, he gave this ministry of hopes and love to his followers that we call the church. So you can say God's perfect love came into the world at Christmas through the birth of Jesus and it continues in the world today through the mission and the ministry of the church, the true church of Jesus Christ. And what is that true church? It appears in a lot of ways. Like some of you, I have attended 12-step meetings known as AA or Al-Anon or Naranon or even Divorce Care. And I would say that programs like that are vital to the work of the true church that Jesus had in mind, what he intended us to do in carrying out his mission. I've seen people come into these meetings filled with the greatest fear, fear of losing a spouse or worse than that, losing a child or somebody else that they love, or maybe even the fear of losing their own life due to the addiction to drugs or alcohol. And they come to these meetings as strangers, only knowing each other's first name. And they don't come to give each other advice, but they come to share their stories, to share their situations with their addicted ones or with themselves, if they're the one who's addicted. Some may be rich, some may be powerful, others may be poor and without any great influence but they all know that the one thing they have in common is that they need each other. They need each other's caring and sharing, support and love. And together they need and they seek what they call the higher power, 
They don't use the name God because some of them don't believe in God because of things they've been told about God in different backgrounds. But they eventually experience that higher power through the group itself. Some would say that the higher power is the power of the group itself. But they all know that through the tragedy of addiction, they cannot live fully human lives or have any hope for the future without each other and without that higher power. To me, this is what the celebration of Advent and Christmas is all about. Perfect love coming into the world. The mission of love given to those who trust and believe and how we need each other in order to find hope. Love only comes in relationships. Love casts out fear. Love brings us hope. And that's why at Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus as the gift of God's love, the Prince of Peace and the hope of the world. And I like to say the hope for the world. We love because God first loved us. We have hope because of what God has done for us. God's love, perfect love, casts out fear, replaces it with hope. That's how you know you can trust God. You look at what God has done in the past and you know that's how God operates. So if you take the time to think back, look back over your own life, your history, you will see that God has been there getting you through tough times, whether you realize it at the moment or not. That's what the Jews have done with the Old Testament, showing how throughout their history, God has been with them, whether they deserved it or not. And what God has done in the past, taking care of us, leading us through life's most difficult times, gives us the hope that God will do the same in the future, no matter what happens. So maybe now we can understand a little better what Phillips Brooks might have had in mind when he said, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Fear meets the love of God in Jesus, and that love casts out fear. Fear meets hope and hope wins out. And that's why the good news we celebrate beginning today during the Advent season and up through Christmas itself is the message of hope. Jesus is the hope of the world and the hope for the world.